Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I determined the cause of death to be asphyxia by plastic bag over the head and duct tape covering the mouth. Heartbreaking details about how J.J. Vallow died revealed in court as Lori Vallow Daybell's sister realizes she's been betrayed. These are just two of 11 of the most critical moments in week three of the Doomsday Cult Moms trial. I've covered a lot of crime stories over the years, many of them here at Law and Crime, and it always makes me think about how many ways there are for us to all stay safe. Palm pepper spray is one thing that can help you do it. It's a small but mighty self-defense tool. Palm pepper spray shoots up to 12 feet using the strongest legal form of pepper spray on the market. It's safe. It's easy. You just point it and you spray. And if you want to try it, you can get 10% off. Just log on to palmpepperspray.com and use the promo code LAWCRIME10. And remember, if you or anyone else is ever in danger, always call 911. I'm Anjanette Levy, and welcome to Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. The third week of testimony in the trial of Lori Vallow Daybell has come to an end, and we are nearing the end of the state's case. We heard very graphic testimony this week about what happened to J.J. Vallow and Tylee Ryan, along with details about how seven-year-old J.J. died. But first, let's start with Tylee. Detectives found her charred remains on Chad Daybell's property in June of 2020. Attempts had been made to dismember her, and her remains were burned, but some of her organs survived the trauma, despite being damaged. I've covered a few cases where people actually tried to dismember bodies. It's incredibly difficult. People don't realize what goes into this. And frankly, it's quite sickening and disgusting to listen to some of this testimony. So we want to, you to be aware of that. Forensic pathologist Dr. Garth Warren described examining Tylee's heart. So as we mentioned before, there were some organs that were identified within that, uh, the remains. So this is the heart right in the middle. And then on both sides of the heart are the right and left lung. So they're still attached to one another. You can see the great vessels. Um, they look like straws come, kind of coming uh, out. Uh, so th those are some of the great vessels that come off the aorta. And now this is not what a normal heart and lung looks like, just so you know. Uh, this is significantly shrunken. The heart and the lungs are both significantly shrunken. Uh, they're disrupted, they're charred, they're burned, they're falling apart. Um, and so that was what was found, uh, at least 
part of the organs that were found. After going through a lot of gruesome detail about Tylee's remains, Dr. Warren summed up what he determined about Tylee's cause of death and manner of death. Dr. Warren, based on your autopsy of Tylee Ryan and based upon your education, training, and experience, have you formed an expert opinion concerning the cause of death of Tylee Ryan? Yes. Uh, what is that cause of death? I determined the cause of death to be homicide by unspecified means. Uh, and homicide by unspecified means, does that have a uh, specific definition? It does. So homicide by unspecified means uh, is a term that is or can be used for the cause of death uh, when the forensic pathologist has essentially looked at the totality of the case, including the circumstances of the death, uh, the autopsy findings and lack thereof autopsy findings in this case, uh, the toxicology, and also uh, based on medical and social records um, that the forensic pathologist, which is me in this case, um, feels that the, the cause of death was by homicide, but I just can't pinpoint exactly what that was. Now, as the state goes through the case and really tries to connect the dots here, the prosecution called a forensic biologist from the Idaho State Police Lab. She testified about testing that was performed on items that were found on Chad Daybell's property, including several tools that were charred with flesh and tested positive for presumptive blood. Those tools included shears, hand saws, and a pickaxe. Here's Catherine Dace, discussing that pickaxe. These are the larger pieces of fragments that I removed from that dark kind of black material from the eye of the pickaxe. And then at the, the bottom, that blue line is pointing to the piece that I selected to photograph and run for DNA. From your comparative analysis, did you come to any conclusions? Yes. What were those? Um, Tylee Ryan is a potential contributor to this partial DNA profile. This DNA profile is at least 159 trillion times more likely to be seen if it originated from Tylee Ryan than if it originated from an unrelated, randomly selected individual from the general population. Dr. Warren then talked about the autopsy of J.J. Vallow, and of course, his body was in much different condition than his sister's. He was intact and had been wrapped in plastic and duct tape. He was essentially mummified. I also found some injuries um, that jumped out. Um, one injury was a scratch, uh, appeared to be, there were abrasions, it appeared to be scratch-like abrasions on the left side of the neck. Um, and and Doctor, if I can ask you, why was that significant to you? Uh, that was significant to me um, in, in a case like this, uh, considering the way he was found. Um, if there's any kind of injuries to the neck, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a red flag. Uh, do I know exactly what it means? Uh, no, but I think some of the things that come to mind are, you know, did... You know, was J.J. trying to get the bag off his head? And could they be scratch marks trying to get the bag off of his head? Um, you know, I, again, I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened, but those are the types of things that go through my 
my head. This testimony is really hard to listen to, especially as a mother. JJ was just seven years old. He was autistic. And from this testimony, you can tell that he was conscious and aware of what was going on and that he fought to live. Doctor, in regards to the bruising you found on JJ's arms, are you able to make any type of determination if that is pre or post-mortem? Based on my findings, I believe that bruising in the arms is anti-mortem. When you say anti-mortem, is that before? Yes, before death. Okay. And uh, what leads you to believe that? Well, essentially, um, because, well, one, they looked like bruises when you just looked at them. And then two, when I made the incisions and there was hemorrhage um, in the soft tissues and subcutaneous tissue, um, it, it definitely uh, suggests that it was anti-mortem. Uh, when somebody dies, um, there's no longer circulation. Um, so if, for instance, somebody's picked up after they're dead by the arms, you wouldn't expect uh, bruising, especially in this subcutaneous tissue like you saw in that case, in this case. And then in the area of the neck where you described uh, the abrasions, I believe, uh, could those abrasions just be decomposition? I don't believe so. Uh, the reason being is they looked like abrasions. Um, they oftentimes abrasions that are post-mortem take on a certain look to them. Uh, they will have a yellow appearance. Um, they'll have a very waxy appearance to them, They're very firm. And there's rarely, or if ever, any hemorrhage associated with them. Uh, the abrasions on the neck in this particular case on JJ's neck, uh, they had more of a, a tan brown to red appearance, and there was hemorrhage associated with them. So that makes me believe that those are also anti-mortem as well. I determined the cause of death to be asphyxia by plastic bag over the head and duct tape covering the mouth. And then there's another segment that's other significant conditions. Um, I put bound with duct tape, bruising of the arms, and abrasion to the neck. But ultimately, the, the cause of death was asphyxia uh, by plastic bag over the head, the head and duct tape over the mouth. What's so disturbing about this is the fact that Lori Vallow-Daybell was the mother of J.J. and Tylee. It was her job, her moral duty as just basically a human being to care for her children and to ensure that they were safe. These were minor children. We'll hear testimony a little bit later about what Lori was up to after her children were killed. Let's go back to the plastic bag and the duct tape that were wrapped around J.J. Vallow's head. Both of those items were sent to the lab for additional testing, this time for fingerprints. The bag is referred to as item 11. Tara Martinez, a forensic scientist for the Idaho State Police, testified about what she found. Um, and was there sufficient quality to that print for you to be able to do any comparison to that one? Yes. Um, what, who did you compare it to? What knowns did you compare it to? Um, for both prints, I compared to Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, 
J.J. Vallow and Alexander Cox. Okay, and did your comparison yield any um, conclusions? Yes, I identified it to the right palm, so this part of your hand in here, um, to Alexander Lamar Cox. Okay, and so um, evaluation of item 11 in the lab, the black plastic with the duct tape yielded two latent prints, correct? Yes. Yes. And both of those latent prints matched the known prints of whom? Alexander Lamar Cox. The defense did not cross-examine Tara Martinez about her findings about Alex Cox's fingerprints. Not one question did they ask. And this has happened several times throughout this trial. And it's possible they didn't do that because they're thinking, hey, this implicates our client's brother who's dead, Alex Cox, not her. The jury also heard testimony about burner phones owned by Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow Daybell. More than 15 of them, if you can actually imagine that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And if you don't know, a burner phone is literally one of those prepaid phones that you can buy at the store. You pay for it, and it's really not supposed to be traced back to you. But Gmail accounts were actually linked to some of these phones, so that's how they could identify them as belonging to Chad Daybell or Lori Vallow Daybell. Now listen to a Rexburg police officer testify about the search history in a phone used by Chad Daybell. And what did you find when you looked at his search history? Uh, one thing that I found was um, that on the 8th, in the afternoon hours, um, the user of this account, um, the owner of the account was Chad Daybell. The user of this account um, looked up um, what the wind direction was going to be for the next day. And the next day would be September 9th of 2019? That's correct. Okay. Um, did that have any significance to you as an investigator? It did because of uh, other things that I had learned um, and that uh, that is the day that uh, Chad Daybell had said he was going to uh, burn limbs and kill the raccoon okay. in his yard. Okay. And he did a wind search on September 8th. That's right, and the wind search uh, reflected the wind was going to be south-southwest. I think that testimony was really significant, especially for Chad Daybell, because this is right around the time that Tylee died. Why would he care about the wind direction if you're going to burn some limbs and bury a raccoon? It really gets you thinking about what he was really intending to do possibly. Jurors also heard testimony from Tammy Daybell's sister. Her name is Samantha Gwilliam, and she talked about one of Chad Daybell's prior jobs and her sister's health. 
Was he also involved in ever digging graves that you know of? Yeah, that was part of their job, is that they would dig all the graves that came through for any of the burials at the cemetery. Eventually, he came back and was the sexton at that Springville. It was at the Evergreen Cemetery in Springville. And then eventually he was a sexton at the Spanish Fork Cemetery. How did you find out about your sister's passing? Chad called me the morning that she passed away. Do you recall what he told you? He told me that she had been really sick and that she had been coughing all night and she had gotten up with a coughing fit around midnight, 1 o'clock, and had gone back to sleep. And he was awakened by her that morning when she rolled out of bed dead. Did that make any sense to you? No, because I had just seen her two weeks previous to that, and she wasn't that sick at all. She was very healthy. Did she indicate to you any activities that she was participating in? Yeah, she was in a clogging class, and she was showing us some of her clogging moves, but she was also preparing to run a smaller race in their town. So she was trying to stay fit and healthy. And how old was she? She wasn't 50 yet. We were going to get ready to celebrate her 50th birthday. William also testified about the last time she saw her sister Tammy before she died. When she came to visit in October, was that a normal visit? No, it was out of the blue. Did anyone come with her? No, she came by herself, and that was unusual because Tammy didn't like to travel alone. Did she tell you why she came down to visit? Chad told her that she needed to come visit her family. Was she able to see all of the siblings? No, it was me and my mom and dad. Did Tammy ever indicate to you that she had suspicion that Chad was having an affair? No, she never said anything about it. If she did have any inkling, I think he probably brushed it away. Did you notice any change in Chad and Tammy's relationship? Yes, they stayed with us the first week in June of 2019, and something seemed off. They were very awkward at our house, and Chad wouldn't converse with my husband like they normally do. It just seemed really strange, and we weren't sure what was going on. Were there any other instances where things seemed a little off? Yes, in my birthday in July, Tammy showed up at my front door to give me my birthday present. I didn't even know they were in town, and he stayed in the car the whole time with it running. So she literally stood in my house for five minutes to talk, and then they just left, and he didn't even bother to come in and say anything. It was really weird. And that was of 2019? Yes. Had you and Chad had any kind of a falling out? No. This was really, really odd. You have to wonder what the jurors were thinking as they're listening to Tammy Daybell's sister talk about the last time that she saw her and how she behaved. Now, the jury also heard a gut-wrenching phone call between Lori Vallow Daybell and her sister, Summer Shiflett. Summer Shiflett stood by her sister in the very beginning, 
But things changed dramatically after JJ and Tylee's remains were found on Chad's Daybell's property in June of 2020. really heartbreaking to listen to that. Summer said that she would have taken the children. A lot of people would have taken JJ entirely and given them a good life and kept them safe. Some people in the courtroom said that they actually saw Lori Valadebel crying during her sister's testimony. And that's it as we recapped the third week of testimony in the trial of Lori Vallow Daybell. And that's it for this edition of Law and Crime Sidebar Podcast. You can listen to and download Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can always watch it on Law and Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time. <laughs>